Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Improve Glasgow Show. We are three PTs trying to improve Glasgow one podcast at a time. I have Coach Carol Devlin with me. Hello. I have Coach Callum with me. Morning. And I'm Coach Lewis. So what we're going to go through today is our background in health and fitness, how we got into training, whether it's sport backgrounds or wanting to hang upside down like a bat. Carol Devlin, yeah, yeah, she's got a hand up. <laughs> and then how that sort of translated into coaching, I think it'll be a fun conversation, so we're just going to get straight into it. So actually, I'm going to start with Callum Hunter today. Cool. So Callum, <laughs> how did you get into fitness? I know you were kind of a big rugby man back in the day. Talk to me. Yeah, so I don't know. I think health and fitness has basically always been in my life. When I was, my family are big uh, football fans, so when I grew up, I played a lot of football. Uh, when did you realise you were bad? <laughs> I wasn't actually, it's a phenomenon, this is a weird, like, you know, if I'm going into junior sports, but there's a phenomenon that if you're like the biggest kid, you are the best kid. Were you so always I was, tall, were you? I, Yeah, I was, I mean, I was heavy and tall, I was heavy and tall per my year group in primary school. So I was a striker and was all right, but then suddenly as people started to grow up to a similar level, suddenly went, oh, I actually can't play football. I'm just <laughs> sure the other children are away. So I went to play the classic, you know, technical position of centre-back, which is basically where you put lumps like me. <laughs> uh, but no, so I, I uh, was playing football a lot. Uh, I then went to play, do a rugby day, which even though my dad played a bit of rugby, it's not like we were a rugby family. And I just took to it. I was very much, uh, you know, I, I, like... I'd always be a balling less, kind of guy. or less like a technical technical athlete, and more of a, just like a like I would be able to use my weight about etc. As well, so I went really well with rugby. Uh, I was lucky that even as I was growing up, I was a member of the VB, so I played. You were in the VB. I was in the VB. <laughs> you know what that is? Uh, Cal- I did martial arts. Calum, I was in the VBs. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Uh, so with that, I did like a whole load of sports as well, which again is one thing that I look back on and think I was so lucky. I, I, you know, I've, I've competed at, not I'm saying at a great level, but in badminton and table tennis, athletics, yeah, um, played, cr- competed at cricket, competed at rugby, which when I was in my teens, I became a bit more serious with. Competed at football, basketball for my school. So I, I, I've always grown up and played sport. To cut a long story short, I went with my rugby team GHA, I started getting a bit better, started getting trials for the district, which I would always get into, and then the district level, you go to Glasgow or Edinburgh, basically, or Highlands or Borders, and I was always on the cusp of getting into the Glasgow team, and then when I was 17, I was, that was my best, like, best year of rugby, got into the final 32, and then they make a final call for the last 26, and on that Literally, like the, maybe it was three weeks before they made the final call, call I tore my calf muscle oh. in a game. And because I was a genius, I kept playing. And I basically was like so determined to make it into the Glasgow team that I, I felt there's something wrong with my calf. And I played another game a week later uh, and it completely went. And it was, I've heard people describe tears as like a gunshot. And I just remember running and at one point being, <laughs> I need to fall. <laughs> so when I was recoup- recouping from that calf injury, uh, torn gastrocnemius if you're into your biology your anatomy rather uh, i started picking up my tie at a local gym for fitness and it was just a case of i'd lost two cup finals playing rugby and i'd always played out my skin and was very disappointed that our big team players couldn't compete could didn't come to the like the forefront on the game which is team sports through and through and i just loved that about martial arts the fact that I was one if, it, if i failed in martial arts it was just down to me as much as a team gets you there you have to perform on the day. 
So with that, I ended up competing in the MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a bit, uh, and then lo and behold, that's how I met Ross uh, and started working with Improved Glasgow as my strength conditioning coaches at the time. And lo and behold, here we are at age tender age 27, and I'm now part of Improved from the coaching aspect. So it's been, a, a, I've always been in health and fitness. I know I've coached Calum and now Calum's a better coach than I am. It's just a circle <laughs> of life, isn't it? <laughs> but how, how did, do you feel all that experience with training has helped you as a coach? Yeah, 100%. I think, I think for me, I've gone through, one of the things I think I've been good for is that I've failed at my, my dreams almost. So with rugby, when I was young, I always had the dream of playing for Scotland and like visualised it, had the dream of playing for the British Lions, which if you're into rugby, will as a reference you understand as well and the, it was a really tough thing stepping away from rugby like that was my life and it was 100% my life as much as I did other things like I made a lot more sacrifices in my teenage years to try and be a rugby player uh, and then similarly with MMA like I was doing well I was a fairly well thought of amateur fighter in Scotland they'd won national championships or national titles at my weight so I was looking good as a prospect Obviously, that's on the grand scheme of things, you know, like there's there's levels to it. But I also realised, like, you know, this isn't for me. This isn't working out. Uh, this isn't the kind of career I want to go down. And I think that that gives me, I think a lot of people we see as personal trainers are people who have failed with health and fitness in their eyes. And I think that one of the things that I'm good for is, or at least being able to reflect on my own time, is to realise how much good has come from not meeting your goals. Mm. And I think that's a really strong place that I come from is uh, plus also just the fact I'm really passionate about it I mean it's been my life and I think when I turned away from hospitality to my work to being a personal trainer it was such a natural transition and for me it's just crazy to think like I now work in a gym because probably if I sat back to like the wee chubby 10 year old running out of the pitch and went hey mate you're going to be in a gym you know night and day you're going to be looking after people you're going to try and have them feel as happy with exercise and training as you do I think that wee 10 year old have been like Hey, big Callum, that's, that was good to get a haircut. Sorry, there's the chapter of Callum Hunter. <laughs> nah, I, think, I think it was great, great background, Callum. So what about you, Dave? How did you start first get started in fitness? Uh, when I was younger, I danced a lot, um, multiple times a week through various different kinds of dancing. What um, kind of dancing? Oh, I, did a lot. I dabbled in ballet. It wasn't, it wasn't for me. Um, wasn't the look at your nose gymnastics exactly I'd be an absolute dream ballerina um, just loads of different things like tap um, disco but not the pure extreme disco yes. I don't know if you're going to be this is amazing <laughs> Carolyn you can um, go to nightclubs again yeah. really you're hitting up disco really, Friday I love love a wee boogie in a nightclub <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did that uh, also did baton which is like you get to, you see, I'm like, this is basically a wee silver stick. This is going to sound really funny that you twirl about and throw up in the air and dance underneath. Um, the greatest showman. Kind of. Um, a lot of people go to competitions all over the world for it. Um, I did competitions in that as well. I wouldn't say I was absolutely amazing. Did like team competitions, but I absolutely loved dancing. Um, and I used to think, like similar to you when I was older, I would either be on the West End stage as nice. a professional dancer or just in Glasgow. I obviously Kings <laughs> Theatre. <laughs> I actually was in a couple of pantomimes. Oh no, you won the. Oh no, you won the. Jack and the Beanstalk. That's um, amazing. 
I can't remember the other one, but yeah, I was in the band tonight as a dancer. And then I also used to, I mean, I probably would still love it now if my other half was into it, but Strictly Come Dancing, <laughs> oh, that would have been me. I love it. I know. It's so good. Um, I feel like this podcast is for me. <laughs> and now the closest that I get to dancing is when there's nobody in the gym and I've got the tunes on full blast. Are you bloody singing? And then just having a meet really badly. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, Karen. Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. So what age did you, did you dance until? Uh, I danced until I was in secondary school and then basically it got too much between studying for standard grades exams etc and the travelling because we stay in a wee village and it was like half an hour 40 minutes away to the dance school um, so then gave that up and then basically went to university to study radiotherapy and oncology did that for four years and whilst I was at uni I mean, I dabbled in running every now and again, but then me and one of the girls that I went to uni with joined the local pure gym. Nice. Shout out, other gyms are available. We did that, like, however many days a week, and then I just fell in love with the process of, oh, I'm actually getting quite good at lifting weights, I'm getting quite strong. How long did that take? Um, so when I went to uni, that was... 2014, no, 2010, I started uni, 2014 I left uni, so I must have started my second or third year at university. Um, and it was just running before that? Yeah, just running, nothing to, I mean I stayed in Glasgow City Centre and when I was at uni I used to walk everywhere, like mm -hmm. I didn't have a car because I stayed in the city centre, so if you've ever been up those bloody hills, roundabout Strathclyde uni. I went to Cali and stayed at the bottom end of town so those hills were enough to keep me going for a few years. Um, that's where your calves come from. Well, that's what <laughs> <laughs> And then patched the running. Gonna go walk a hill after. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, what were you following when you first started the Pure Gym? Was it just very much your own stuff or was it, did you? We just went to like... a couple of classes mm. um, and then from there we kind of we were those stereotypical like oh my goodness like if i don't go to a gym class like i don't know what i'm gonna do uh -huh. and then eventually just got onto the gym floor used the machines and stuff like that and then it just progressed from there see i think it's so interesting actually speaking to a woman because i think it's probably a different journey for girls in gyms a lot of time than it is for guys yeah so gym classes got some confidence on the gym floor by just doing some machines and then you were good or how did it work yeah, pretty much. Um, and then my other half at the time um, was also into the gym. He worked in a gym as well, so he like kind of taught me a few things. Um, then after having trained for, however, a few years, I can't remember, I thought it would be an interesting idea to do a bodybuilding competition. Nice. So I did that in 2016, which was absolutely hilarious. Um, looking back now, like the bikini, the fake tan, the heels, like hats off to people who do that like regularly, year in, year out, but that is absolutely not for me, just standing on stage smothered in fake tan on the bikini like with everyone just watching you pose like unless you're in the pantomime then it's not for you exactly give me a heavy <laughs> barbell and i'll have people watch me every much heavier <laughs> now um, did that and then 
like I said, I was at uni doing radiotherapy and oncology. So then I worked in that for almost two years and decided that for personal circumstances, it was just too close to home. Um, for those of you who do not know, radiotherapy is just like another form of cancer treatment. So you're basically seeing up to 50 cancer patients a day every single day um, so it can be quite a challenging job but as a very rewarding job and then through my own training and then from the hospital as well seeing that there was not like a gap in the market but if there if more people were educated to know that exercise was good for your health and also to use it as medicine almost for recovery like if you've been through surgery if you're going through chemotherapy radiotherapy um like it can speed up the process and also it's just so much more beneficial like rather than not doing any form of exercise even if it's just like going swimming or walking like something's better than nothing and then decided that I was going to do my PT qualification part-time while I was working in the hospital um, and then eventually took the, the plunge, left my job, my nice, safe, full-time, full-salary job, and then went self-employed in the world of PT. And then fast forward five years almost, 20, we, did you qualify the same year, 2016? Uh, 2016, I think I qualified as a PT. Yeah, I must have been 15 or 16, eh? so somewhere around there. Like, yeah. I think it was January 2016. Yeah, so this will be almost like five years. Yeah as a PT. So I worked um, in a commercial gym for a few years, then took a break, went travelling, came back, worked in a commercial gym again and then ended up in Improved Glasgow through training in the CrossFit gym, which was really good and here I am. Mm-hmm. When did you decide to compete at CrossFit, Carol? Uh, so I started CrossFit, I came back from travelling in 2017 and when I was away, my friend who lives in Canada they had like she is Canadian they had joined a CrossFit gym and she was just like you should come try it it's really fun um and then just fell in love with it obviously watched all of the documentaries on Netflix and thought quality I can be I can be just as fit as that um started CrossFit in 2018 and then 2019 so it was only a year well obviously a year about ago now that I decided to try a competition and managed to get three competitions in and then coronavirus hit so I've only done one individual competition and it was the most terrifying but exciting thing at the same time again like just everyone watching you on the competition floor there's nowhere to hide it's a very very thrilling event um so hopefully 2021 this year we'll get let loose again and get that (laughs) some form of competition but yeah that's me amazing Lewis come on yeah you need to finish on a high here Uh, so my background was I was just not the same as you Carol I didn't compete in table tennis or anything like that but it was always team sports for me so it was rollerblading which people always think I should be embarrassed to say (laughs) but that was night and day for me like 10 in the morning till 10 at night we had like a tiny skate park in the village where I grew up and I guess how I met a lot of my best pals and we just skated all day, every day and it was amazing. So then a competition with that and then played football from, like my nickname's Magic. And I've always my, wondered where this has come from. So yes. my surname's Johnston yeah. and then I've got a certificate in the house that says like Lewis Magic Johnston because <laughs> Magic Johnston was the basketball player. Yeah. So 20... 
one years of saying that's been my nickname, wow. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> so I played football from like six until 16, something like that. The complete opposite of you, I was the smallest person on the pitch. Oh, hey. I, oh, I, I don't think I hit puberty until I was like 17 or something. <laughs> Unbelievable, I was like the smallest, smallest guy on the pitch, but as you can imagine, very energetic. <laughs> <laughs> I was always very energetic and always thought I was a big man, pushing guys about and some temper. What was that? Who did you play? Centre mid. Right. And then I transitioned into rugby because my best friend played rugby and he just said that he thought I would do well at it. Tried it, had no idea how to play. Must have played about three games. Went on the rugby tour down to Cardiff with the boys and just had nice. the best time ever. That was all really done. To be fair, we played rugby for him. Maybe nine months or something. I was always terrible, but always enjoyed myself. <laughs> and then I think with, with being a small guy, and to be fair, I was the small guy, then I was like small and fat, and then I was like taller, but still fat, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I've been through a few transitions in my life, and I think I just started training, must have been like 14 or something, maybe started going to the teen gym that the gym put on, which was like a Friday afternoon, and like running on the treadmill and pushing a leg press and like a chest machine, you weren't allowed to go and use the free weights or anything like that. <laughs> So that kind of got me started and then as soon as I could get into free weights I started doing a bit of that and then I vividly remember like pressing dumbbell like doing a flat dumbbell press like quite heavy and like two like really tidy girls in the year at our school were like oh the looks are strong I was like right I'm done like, that's me like, I'm happy hey like, lifting weights is my job totally and then it's just something I enjoyed and I've done it for years and years and years and obviously you start speaking to your friends about what you want to do when you're growing up and I can just remember one of my friends saying, like, if, if I was to get someone to write me a gym program, like, you would write it. I was like, ah, that's interesting. And then I went and became a fisherman with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then when, you, when you're on the boat and you're 10, day, 10 days at sea, like, you've got a lot of thinking time. And I remember there's a guy called Alan Watts, who's like a philosopher. And he says, if, I think it was him anyway, he's like, if, if money was no option, like, what would you do? So if you, if you had all the money in the world, like what would you do for work? What would you do with your time? It's like, well, probably work in a gym. I'd made a gym on the boat for myself, out yeah. of like, <laughs> holes and doing pull-ups on the boat. And like, I, I, think, I think that's what I want to do. So I got a job at home and then that allowed me to train as well, obviously, which was great. And then I done my PT course when I was doing my full-time job at the time and then got a job just in a gym. But um, I still wasn't sure if that was for me. Like, was your first job self-employed? Yeah. And your first job was in here? It was in here, yeah. See, it's, it's interesting. Well, technically, martial arts coaching, if I go down that route. But yeah, uh -huh. I've always been employed. I've never been self-employed. Because I think it's so interesting. I feel like I've, I've kind of not ticked every box, obviously, but I worked in a university gym, which, to be honest, most of the time you were sitting doing not much and then putting up badminton courts and yeah. that kind of like proper fitness instructor. And then I went from that to like full self-employed. And how terrifying is that right at the start? Absolutely. Um, like that must put so many good coaches off. Yeah. I think, like, as a, if you come straight out of, like, your PT qualification and go straight into being self-employed, it definitely makes or breaks you. It either, like, gives you the kick up the arse and you think, right, shit, if I don't do anything here, if I don't go find clients, like, do marketing, whatever it is I need to do, then I'm going to have no money. Uh -huh. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. Like, what am I going to do? Or you just think... 
shit, this is not for me, this is way harder than what I thought it was going to be. I'll just stick to lifting weights and enjoying it rather than making it a career. So mm-hmm. it is, I think, very make or break when you go self-employed. Totally, totally. So went from self-employed there into like a half self-employed, half employed role at a previous gym and now into improve. But I know, I know it's amazing, <laughs> but it's like training has been consistent for me for 13 years or so now. Yeah, it's crazy. I think it's a bigger caps. <laughs> <laughs> well, say, I think it's always interesting because I, I chat about this to some of my pals that I grew up playing rugby with because it was probably about 15 I started training in gyms, but maybe not until I was late 16, early 17 when I was doing it regularly enough. But even then, it took me pretty much coming to improve before I started making mistakes. So, uh, we'll start, Carol, do you have any big training mistakes that, like, off, off the back of your head, you know? Do you mean, like, in terms of my training or, like, training clients? Or, or both, to be honest. But, like, is there anything... So, I'll use myself as an example. I remember going into the gym and me and my friends would do deadlifts. Now, our deadlifts were rack pulls. <laughs> now, rack pulls, if you are unfamiliar with it, is obviously a deadlift that you're doing off the rack, so it's much higher up tends to be a short range of motion. You can put a wee bit more weight on the bar. Now, the range of motion we probably did was about six inches. <laughs> now, also, I was the tallest amongst my pals. So that six inches for my pals of six foot, six foot uh, one, was about three inches. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, I remember sitting and going, like, oh, deadlifted 100 kilos at age 16. And I mean, if you call that a deadlift, as in about an inch or two's worth of movement as well. Oh. So yeah, that was a clear one where I look back at it and be like, ego lifting in terms of weight on the bar <laughs> seemingly mattering more than how you execute the movement. And I think mm. everyone goes through that to some degree. But that's the obvious one for me. So Jack, Jack Lewis, do you have anything like that? I think it was almost the opposite. You know, because the first gym, like I said, that teen gym, we weren't allowed any barbells. So I didn't get exposed to sort of dumbbells or barbells there. And then the second gym where we trained at just around the corner from the school didn't have a barbell either. So I think I was actually, for the first few years of training, I probably didn't even use a barbell or like only used some dumbbells, and that was it, really. So I think I would have got a lot more benefit learning how to do the lifts, like big lifts properly, obviously with a bigger range of motion than six inches yeah. or three inches. <laughs> <laughs> Learn how to do them properly, and then if I'd done that for 13 years, I think I would have been in a much better position now. Yeah, 100%. Do you have anything to add about I think just like from a funny perspective, I am so clumsy in the gym. Whether I am <laughs> training or if I'm coaching, like I remember simple things like the weight pegs on the squat rack, obviously they all have the plates on them. And I remember just like being so oblivious to uh-huh. a plate behind a plate, pulling one of the plates off Close. and then a five kilo plate just falling <laughs> my head. So bad. And then and here I have bust my lip on the sled. I've been bent because <laughs> no there's a pole in the middle. Aye. Rihanna saw me once as well. Um, I bent down to pick up the plate <laughs> off the sled, but smashed my face <laughs> off the middle. <laughs> oh dear. I'm so accident prone. I always walk into the safety bars when the safety bars are out, like yeah. Just be very cautious in the gym. It's a dangerous place. Uh, so, say if you were to start over again with your training journey, like save us, say it's a new member to improve, or somebody who's not been into improve before and wants to get started in a gym. Like, what advice would you give to that person who's just starting? I think uh, I have a big bias about this because even before I started coaching in martial arts, I used to think about coaching all the time. Uh, 
and so it's always been the forefront of the difference. I would call it the difference between a trainer and a coach, but I would find a really good coach. And the, the definition, it seems silly because we refer to ourselves as personal trainers. It's probably how we identify as a job, but I think there's a big difference between a, a trainer and a coach. And I think a trainer is somebody who can teach you on the day and teach you little things and, and train you on the day, but they don't have much going on out of that. Whereas a coach is somebody that understands the process and takes you through the process. And I've kind of heard the, you know, the etymology from one of one of the coaches we listen to in America, but he's called it like a coach is somebody who takes you from A to B, much like a coach does mm. in America. They call bus coaches, mm. and I think there's a big truth to that because it doesn't necessarily mean about just training you on the day or telling you what to do in the gym, but they understand the process. They understand how you might react to it. They understand the pitfalls that you go down, the successes you go, and they're able to hold your hand through it to a degree. And I think that's the real difference between a trainer and a coach. And that, for sports, was really, really important for me. Uh, but I think also when you're coming into this journey, a lot of people will be able to tell you, you can pick up a men's health or a women's health magazine and pick up some really good basic knowledge, but they won't ever set you up in a way that will, when things get tough, and you get stressed, and life is full of that. They're the you want somebody who's actually going to understand you and going to be able to kind of guide you through that, rather than just being able to say, "Ah, cool, sorry to hear that." Ten burpees now. You know, there's a big difference between mm-hmm. that. And I think that's the aim is to find somebody like that who's going to help you through the process of it, rather than just be able to just on the day say X, Y, or Z, or leave yourself to your own, which I think is probably the biggest mistake a lot of people do. They go in to something very new. It's like imagine I tried to repair my car. You know, I'd walk into uh, a mechanics and be like, "I'm going to try this myself." Like that's uh-huh. a more difficult way of doing things as well. Uh-huh. I said, if you don't, if you don't hire a coach, then you are by proxy your own coach. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's amazing. Cam, great piece of advice. What about you, Dave? How, what advice would you give yourself um, starting up, or the person listening starting up? If you're just starting, I one don't be too hard on yourself. Enjoy every single second of whatever you're going to do. Some days will be amazing, other days will be absolutely shocking in terms of whether it's your exercise or any other aspect of your fitness journey. And also just try and find something you enjoy. Uh So many people you hear and they're just like, oh, I need to do this, but Mm -hmm. I really don't like it. I need to go running. I really don't enjoy it. Like, Mm -hmm. if you don't like something, don't do it. Or if, if you do need to do something, for example, for a health reason, then get yourself into a place where there's an absolutely cracking atmosphere like you have good fun with the other members slash coaches improve Glasgow is really good just like <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah just find somewhere fun and just uh-huh. enjoy enjoy it I always say I always say it. it's like you find an activity you love and find a group of people you love to do it with yeah and that means you can do it for life 100% I, I guess I don't even know what else I can add on top of it. I think that's amazing. Like, either learn enough where you can be your own coach, or even if you, you don't even need to hire a coach for the wall, probably, yeah, yeah. like to learn the fundamentals, yeah. like to learn the basics. It's like if bringing back to your car example, like oh, I don't think a mechanic would teach you how to do it, but if they teach you how to change your oil, change your tires, do all the basic servicing. And that probably keeps you ticking over for a year or two and then you just check in and go back to a coach or a mechanic whenever you need to. The other thing is a good coach should should almost get you to outgrow them. Yeah. You know, a good coach teaches you everything you can do so you then can develop more at the same time as well. Uh, and so that's, you know, you want somebody and they might be able to refer back at points, but that's 
again, that's the aim for a good coach is to get the person they're looking afterwards to take them on that journey and be a part of it so that they become a better version of themselves or they can grow in ways that they wouldn't have been able to grow alone as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like I definitely, I think you're very right on that. A coach doesn't need to be a, I met them on day one and now they're going to be here till the day I it's just i think just getting the marathon mindset about it as well and just like you're in this for life yeah like to get the results of health and fitness like a short-term blast of training and eating good is going to do you the world of good however if you do it for life it's going to benefit you for life yeah, and i think the best way to do that is build competence on how you do it find a place where you belong and then just go on the journey that you enjoy and that you're in control. Yeah. And I think it's also good to, like, <clears throat> when you do make mistakes and you do fall off the bandwagon, like, we'll all, even just from, well, yeah, I've learned yeah. stuff about both of you, but even with myself, like, we've all got examples there where we've ditched something that might have been really strong in our life. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you might have been, I mean, I, was, I remember when I left rugby, like, I was, it was such a tough decision for me. Uh, but you then look back at it and that's guided me in different places and probably a big reason that I'm where I am today is because I had to make tough decisions or I fell away from things or you failed at certain things. And I think people do that. They fail at, they fail at something and think that it's terrible. Like, if this diet hasn't worked for me, I can never diet instead of just going, cool, let's, uh, let's reframe, let's try, try, try a new thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that was amazing. Yeah, it was good fun. Uh, excellent. Well, hope you enjoyed that and some... Well, you learned some stuff about us and hopefully some actionable takeaways. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us as always. We appreciate it. Goodbye. Yeah, see you later on. Bye.